0: We are on Yevamos Pechas Aleph 88a, and we are in the middle of a discussion trying to answer the big question that the Gemara has. The Gemara had a question What exactly is the explanation as to why we believe one witness in our Mishnah? In general, in Halacha, we only believe two witnesses. Two witnesses is what is necessary for the court in order to believe that something happened. However, in our Mishnah, the Mishnah says that if one witness comes and says that, tells a woman that her husband passed away, so then we believe him. Why do we believe him? And the Gemara was trying to bring uh, other places where we find similar halakha, similar laws where we believe one witness, but nothing really fit uh, to explain how this would also apply in our Mishnah. So that's what we're up to. And the Gemara gives its answer and it says as follows. Says Rabzira, because the rabbis were very stringent in the end, meaning if the original husband, let's say the witness comes and says that the husband passed away and she now marries somebody else, and then while she's married to somebody else, the husband comes back. So we just had the Mishnah. The Mishnah says that there are many penalties and fines involved. Uh, where she has to get divorced from both and uh, she doesn't get any financial benefits from both. Uh, Many significant ramifications that apply to her and because we are so stringent in the end, so therefore we will be leaning to her and say that we trust the one witness. And the commentators point out that it's not just that we trust the one witness, but it's trusting the one one witness in combination with with the fact that she is going to really look into the matter because she knows about how serious this is and what the ramifications are. Uh, because uh, you know, if if it's not really true, so then if the husband does come back, so then it's it will lead to a very difficult situation for her. Additionally, uh, the Gemara says later on that uh, with regards to the one witness, we also the one witness also has um, more credibility in this case. Because it's something which, if the husband were really to be alive, so then there's a good chance that he's going to come back. And so that one witness would not lie about it um, if the husband is really alive, because then he'll, he'll be found to be a, um, a false witness. So uh, there's a lot on the line for that one witness, and so therefore he must be telling the truth in combination with the fact that she's also, the wife is also going to look into the matter. Says the Gemara, Okay, fine. But why did we have to do this to begin with? Forget about all the penalties. Forget about all the fines that happen in the end. And we won't be lenient with regards to the one witness. So says the Gemara, a very important line, Because of Iguna, because we do not want her to be in a situation of an Aguna, we don't want her to be in a situation where she can never get married again. Because if we never know whether her husband, if we only have one witness, we don't have two witnesses who say that her husband died, so then she'll remain in aguna. she'll remain in the state where she cannot get married, because her husband, uh, there's no proof, there's no proof, uh, at, at least with regards to two witnesses, which is what we would have needed, uh, that her husband is no longer alive, and she wouldn't be able to get married. So because of that pressure that's involved, the rabbis came along, and they said, we will be lenient, even though based on the Torah itself, let's say, we'll get back to this in a minute, but even though based on the Torah itself, she cannot get married because it's not sufficient proof. But the rabbi said that it is sufficient proof. She could go ahead and get married. Well, the commentators ask, based on this, how is this even possible? How could we say such a thing? The Torah says this is not sufficient proof. Come along, the rabbis, and say, you know what? Even though it's not sufficient proof, we could have less proof. Less proof is necessary, and we could rely on one witness in combination with the fact that she's going to look into the matter and chill she won't remarry until she really knows with certainty that her husband is no longer alive. But by by, by the Torah's standards, it doesn't work. So how could the rabbi say this? So there are multiple answers that are given. We'll just address a few of the answers. First of all, Tosos on our page, the commentator, he explains a fascinating approach. He says that, well, it's, our assumption of the, within the question is not true. The rabbis, sometimes it's true. The rabbis can never go and say something which is against the Torah. They cannot create a decree that is against the Torah. Uh, sometimes uh, they're allowed to do it. They have the power to do it if it's a passive action. If it's not active, but it's just passive. But here it's active. She's she's now marrying somebody else. Um, and so in general, it's true. They're not, they don't have the right to create a decree which goes against the Torah. However, if it's something which is very similar to the laws of the Torah, which is parallel to the values of the Torah, which is a vague statement, uh, but there are certain situations which are parable parable to the values of the Torah. It fits within the values of the Torah, even though by the Torah standards it doesn't really fit completely. The rabbis do have the power to create a certain decree. That would apply to them. And so while they don't have the the, the right to create a law which goes against the Torah, which goes against the values of the Torah, over here they do, and therefore they will apply this specifically because we don't want her to become an Aguna, which is a very, um, you know, very uh, important line by Tosos, and it's very unclear how far you take this. Uh, what about circumstantial evidence, um, other forms of evidence, how far, how far exactly do we take, the, take this, at the very least, with regard to the case that we're discussing, which is we don't know whether or not the husband died. And so... How far? How far exactly do you take this? Is really unclear, uh, based on Tosos. Other commentators give other explanations. That it's true the rabbis don't have the power to uproot the Torah, but the entire marriage to begin with was based on the rabbis' consent. When a person gets married, they say um, that it should be based on the rabbis' consent, and so therefore they have the right to uproot the marriage in certain circumstances. We don't, unfortunately we don't have the time to really explain how that works, but sometimes they have the right to uproot a marriage. And then there are others who say that, you know what, really, this is really working on a biblical level. This is not on a rabbinic level. This is really working on a biblical level. This is Our assumption was wrong, that this is only on a rabbinic level. Really, on a biblical level, this would also be viewed as sufficient evidence. Okay, that concludes the discussion of how is it possible that we could rely on one witness. Now we continue on with a new discussion in our Gemara. Teitei mizem is Hule amarav. Rob says the following statement. Our Mishnah says that the woman has to get has to leave both marriages. If the husband comes back and turns up, he has she has to leave both marriages. Says Rob, this only applies if she got married to her second husband Based on one witness. But if she got married to her second husband. Based on two witnesses. Two witnesses that her husband died. And then the husband comes back. Lo, Tate say. She does not have to get divorced. At this point in time. And the Gemar is assuming that she does not have to. What Rob said is that she does not have to get divorced. From the second husband. We will see that the Gemar will. Back out of this understanding. And, and give a whole different case. Um, and we'll explain Rav, the We're trying to understand what exactly did Rob say. But at this point in time, it means that if we had two witnesses, she doesn't have to leave her second marriage. The Gemara says, I understand. In, in, the, in the Marav, in Eretz Yisrael, they, 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 they laughed at this and they said... The guy is here. The husband is here right in front of us. Everybody knows him. Everybody knows that the husband is here. And you're going to tell... The original husband. And you're going to tell me that she's allowed to stay married to the second husband? But she was, she's married right now to the first husband. The second marriage is not even recognized. And it's just important to note, in general, we have a principle called tre which means that if we have two witnesses, let's say, which is this case, let's say that the husband died. And then if you were to have two witnesses, which we'll get to, who say that, no, the, I know the husband's alive... So that's called the treu Tre, and they cancel each other out. You have two witnesses say one thing, two witnesses say something else, they cancel each other out. That is uh one area of law which requires a lot of analysis, which we'll get to hopefully. Uh but what's going on here is very different. Here, uh Toses points this out that here it's not just two witnesses versus two witnesses, this is two witnesses versus the fact that everybody knows this person. Everybody knows. It's not, it's not and also just to point out, to clarify. Uh, once you have two witnesses, it doesn't make a difference whether you have two versus two or two versus a hundred. It makes no difference according to halacha. Two witnesses against a hundred witnesses is, equi- is equivalent to two witnesses against two witnesses. However, in this case where it's it's everybody knows it's such uh, so obvious that the husband's around, so it's it's, it's viewed as even more powerful than a hundred witnesses. It's not like you need any witnesses. It's he, he exists. Everybody knows he's around. So then certainly you cannot believe the original two witnesses that say that said that he died. So what's the case here? Lo Explains the Gemara rather, we don't know whether or not he's the husband. The husband, This person comes and says, I'm the husband, but nobody knows who this person is. So then he's allowed to stay married. She's, sorry, she's allowed to stay married to her second husband. Uh, the Gemara then asks, if, if nobody knows who this person is, so then even if she got married based on one witness, one witness said that her husband died, and then you have she got married to somebody else. And then you have this guy running in and saying, I'm the husband, I'm the husband, but nobody knows who this person is. So then she should be able to stay married to her second husband as well. So what exactly is Rav talking about? So a little rather it's the following case. The Asu Betre, the Amri Anon Havinon Bahadeh, Michinofik V'ad Hashta, the Asin Hu, Dele Adinu, Le Adisulay, Dehseh V'yakar Yosef V'secha, V'himlo Hikiruhu, V'amrem Chislamlamet, Sh'yatsa B'lo Chasim Hazakin, U'baba Chasim Hazakin. Essentially, the case is as follows. If you have one witness who says that the husband died, she then goes ahead and she marries somebody else. And then the case is where somebody comes and says, I'm the husband, but only two people actually know the husband. So it's like testimony. They're saying, we were with this person the whole time and we know that he is the husband. You don't recognize him. It's been years. But we we recognize, not just that we recognize him, we were with him uh, the whole time and we know that he's the husband. So now that you have the one witness against the two witnesses. So in that case, we say, you know what? You have to uh, uh, you have to get divorced. However, if it's a case where you have two witnesses, not just one witness, but two witnesses that say the husband died, and then two witnesses that say this person is the husband, that's the case of treu treu. That's the case of where you have two witnesses say one thing and two witnesses uh, contradicting and saying the other way. So in that case, we'll say, lo tete say, Excuse me. That you do not have to get divorced. You you don't you don't have to get divorced from the second husband. That's that's what Rav was referring to. That's what the Gemara says until now. And the Gemara just points out. Well, uh, why are you serious? You're going to tell me that you don't recognize the husband? So the Gemara says yes. We find this by Yosef by Yosef and his brothers. Yosef recognized the brothers. The brothers didn't recognize Yosef. Why? Because Yosef when he left his family when when they sold him he wasn't he didn't have a beard. He looked very different. But Yosef recognized the other brothers. He did recognize the brothers. The brothers had a beard already and it was easier to recognize them. And so therefore, it is possible that even such close relatives, they don't recognize each other. And so so here too, it could be that the wife didn't recognize the husband um, and... You only have two witnesses who claim that this is the husband. You could have such a scenario, so it's 2 versus 2. And Rob says that they don't have that she does not have to get divorced from her second husband. She doesn't have to leave her second husband. She could stay married because it's it's 2 versus 2. You have two witnesses versus two witnesses. Now, the Gemara is going to question this idea. Even if you have 2 versus 2, who says that uh, she's allowed to stay married? And just a little bit a very short introduction to this idea. So we believe that when you have, Torah tells us that when you have two witnesses versus two witnesses, it's a, it's a, it's a deadlock. There's nothing that we could do, even if it's two versus a hundred. And once you have two, that's the truth. The other side is the truth. There's, there's very little, that, we don't know what to do. So we don't know what to do because there's this contradiction. In general, we fall back on what's referred to as chazakah, which means status quo. When the court doesn't know what to do, we fall back on the status quo. What is the status quo? So what is the status quo? So in this particular scenario, when you have two versus two, the status quo should be that she's married to her first husband because that's the last thing that we knew before any doubt came about. Before any doubt came about, before we knew anything about the husband dying, she was married to the first husband. So if that's the case, she should really go based on the status quo and she should be viewed as married to her first husband and therefore not married to her second husband and she should have to leave uh, the marriage of her second husband, which is not... What uh, Rob said. And the Gamar is going to ask this question. The Gamar is going to ask this slightly differently because uh, maybe there's room to say that we shouldn't follow the status quo, perhaps uh, because there's so much proof because she really looked into the matter, explains Tosos. She really looked into the matter very well. So maybe it ruins the status quo that we can't really follow the status quo because she really looked into it very well to make sure that her husband's not alive. So maybe we can't follow the status quo in that scenario. But the Gemara is going to ask that still, even if it's not, uh, with certainty that we follow the status quo, but at least, at least there's a doubt here, and she shouldn't stay married to the second guy because there's doubt. It's a, qu- it's a very big question. So, if so, treya treynenu. Turn on the tip page to pay chasm beis. bashim talakai. At the very least, we should bring a sacrifice over the fact that maybe she made a mistake. There's a sacrifice that you bring called an ashim talui, which is a sacrifice that you bring for maybe you committed a sin. We don't know, but maybe you committed a sin. So how could she stay married to the second the second guy? There's a good chance that the first husband's still alive. We have two witnesses here; it's two versus two. So Amr of Kagon Lecha The case is you know, a person doesn't have to bring a sacrifice that maybe they commit a sin if they know for sure in their mind. We can't bring proof, but in their mind they know with certainty that uh, they're not committing a sin. So she marries one of the witnesses, one of the witnesses who said. That the husband is dead, so she marries one of the witnesses. Okay, so that witness, obviously, in his mind, he knows with certainty that the husband is no longer alive. Now, just to point out, is this even allowed? Uh, we had earlier that the person's not allowed to marry uh, somebody who testifies and says that uh, that the that the husband is not alive um, because he's, you know, he maybe maybe he's he's saying all this just to marry the wife. Uh so the commentators bring this up and they come up with scenarios where uh we wouldn't be concerned. Let's say we have more than two witnesses, let's say we have three witnesses that we're relying upon. Um and he can't uh we don't assume that he's convincing all the witnesses to say the same thing. Um and other examples also, but in the end of the day, there in, in this particular scenario, there's no such concern. Uh the the commentators figure out a case, so there is no such concern. Big Martha says, Okay, fine, but he goofed from Tali Kaima. She herself. How does she know with certainty? She should herself should bring a sacrifice. She doesn't know whether her husband's alive or not. No, it's Bomaris Barley. The case is where she knows with certainty that this person is not her husband. We have two witnesses who say that this is the husband. We were with him the whole time since he went to travel. But she says, no, I know with certainty that it's not the husband, explains Rashi, because I know that based on, you know, I, I know what my husband looks like and there, there are certain unique features to my husband. It's not my husband. I know with certainty it's not my husband. So both the the... Witness who said that the husband died. He saw the husband die. And she herself knows with certainty that the hu- this isn't the husband. The husband's not alive. So they are allowed to marry each other. Um, and they're allowed to stay married. And they don't have to bring a sacrifice because they know with certainty. You only have to bring a sacrifice that you might have sinned if there's a chance. But they, they know themselves with certainty that they did not sin. If this is true, if this is Rav's whole point, that if you have two verses two... What's, his, what's he trying to say? What's he trying to... What's what's his novel uh, statement? What exactly is he coming to add? Even Rabbi Nachman bar As we're about to see There's going to be the following dispute What happens If you have two versus two You have a contradiction Two versus two Two people say the husband died Two people say he didn't die Two people say they got divorced Two people say they didn't divorce What could you do? So as we're about to see this, in fact, let's just see it right now, and then we'll explain what the entire Gemara is trying to get at. Lomes. two people say he died, two people say he didn't die. Two two witnesses say they got divorced, two witnesses say they didn't get divorced. First opinion in the B'risa is, because we have two versus two, and the status quo is that they're married, because that was the last known status that they had before we had any doubt. So then she's not allowed to get married to somebody else. But according to her opinion, if she does marry somebody else, so now the status quo is that she's married to the second guy. So, so then now she doesn't have to get divorced. So she's not allowed to marry somebody else, but if she if she does marry somebody else, she doesn't have to get divorced. That's opinion number one. Opinion number two is Rabbi Nakhon Brib Yosi. Reb Nakhon Amr He says that no, in such a scenario, if you married when we told you not to get married, get divorced. You have to leave him. But he also holds. <laughs> but Rabbinachem says, let's say the case is as follows. Two witnesses say either the husband died or they got divorced. Right after that, she goes ahead and she marries somebody else. While she's married to her second husband, two other witnesses come along and say that, you know what, the husband's really alive. Or you know what, they really didn't get divorced. The marriage still exists. So since Ramban says, since those two witnesses came after she married the second guy, so now it, it's sort of like the status quo is that she's married to the second guy, or at least it's perceived as though she's married to the second guy. She's allowed to stay married to the second guy. That is exactly what Rav just said. The Gemara's whole point is that what's Rav adding? This is exactly what Rav just said. Rav, Rav's whole statement, what we've been anal, analyzing, uh, you know, for the fa- past few minutes. Rav's whole statement was that if you have two witnesses who say he died, and then she marries somebody, and then you have two witnesses who say that he didn't die, she they don't have to get divorced. He doesn't have, she doesn't have to leave her second husband. That's exactly the opinion of Rimanakam Rav Yosi. So what's he coming to add? So says the Gemara, <laughs> Explains the Gemara that Rav is either coming to say that I hold like Rav and that the only time she could stay married to her second husband is if she got married first. And then the witnesses came and said, you know what, you're really married to your first husband because our first husband's alive. Uh, so in such a scenario, you're allowed to stay married because you first got married before the witnesses came. Alternatively, they explain Rav differently and they say that Rav really holds like the first opinion against Rav Nachim that He's even more lenient when it comes to staying with your second husband that even if you had... Witnesses come first and say that the husband's still alive. And then she got married, even though you're not allowed to get married. But once she got married, so then she's allowed to stay married. These are two different versions of what Rab is coming to do. But Rab is essentially, uh, depending on the version, he's picking one versus the other. Either the first opinion or or Nachem um, Yossi about what's the case where you're allowed to stay married to the second husband. Okay, that concludes the Gemara for today. And we'll continue with the Gemara in the next recording.